even though I didn't understand a word in that song, amen, I don't know. Not one word, Bert, that I understand in that song. So before I get started, I just wanted to tell you a story of something that I heard. I don't know if it's theologically correct, so you could check with Robert here after the service. He's going to check it out. But it's about a man who died and went. he went up to heaven, and he was just about to meet with Jesus when first an angel came out and said, well, I want to speak to you first because we looked through all the books, and we can't find a lot of good things that you did on earth. He said, can you just tell us one good thing? So the guy says, well, I'll tell you one thing that happened. I, I was riding down the road, and I saw this whole motorcycle gang. They were, they were attacking this woman. They were trying to steal his, her car. So the guy says, I, got, I stopped. I got out. I went up to the leader of the gang. I punched him in the nose. I said, you better leave that lady alone. And then he pulled the leader of the gang's nose ring out. And the angel said, when, when did that happen? The guy says, oh, about three minutes ago. That would be funny if you got it, right? You know, the guy died. He went. Now, now you get it, right? Duh. Okay, that's enough joke in here. So last week, Pastor George, he started on the sermon called Found Faithful. And he talked about being faithful in what God has given us, being faithful with, with the finances he's given us, being faithful with our lives, with our gifts. So I'm going to continue on that. We've been going through Second Corinthians, and I'm going to finish off Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 today. So I'm going to go down to Second Corinthians chapter 8. 8 verse 9 and this is speaking about Titus there was a man back then named Titus and he was a faithful man of God a man with a good reputation and it says verse 9 he was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. We are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is even now more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner and works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches, and here's the main thing, and they bring honor to Christ. 
I'm, I'm going to repeat verse 21. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. See, we, as Pastor George said last week, Paul, he was taking an offering from the church in Corinth to meet the need in another church. And here Paul is saying, we're not going to be casual with your money, but we're going to take men of good reputation, honorable men who give glory to God, who are going to help us to carry your finances so that nobody can accuse us. And the first thing I get out of that is that it's wrong when Christians say, I don't care what anyone thinks. I just do what I want. If you, if you think something bad, that's your fault. That, that is a wrong way to think according to the Scripture. Your reputation is important. Your integrity, the way that people think about you, the way they talk about you, that's important to God. It's important especially if you're a representative of the church. That's why any, any minister in this church will not do counseling with a member of the opposite sex and, and a, go in a room and shut the door. Even though nothing is going wrong, we don't leave any room for anybody to bring an accusation. There, there have been times through the years where... I've gone into bars, liquor stores to give out tracts to invite them to church events, but I never go by myself because somebody from the church is going to happen to be driving along and say, look at that pastor coming out of a bar at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. What do you think of that pastor? You know what I do? I take someone with me. I take a witness with me because... There's nothing more important to me in this world in, the, in terms of my spiritual walk than my reputation, than the way people think about me. I want, when people talk about me, I want people to think that I'm honorable, that I'm a man of my word. Now, I know I, don't, I haven't done it perfectly. I've made mistakes. But with all my heart, I want to follow this scripture. I want to walk, it says, not just to walk before God with integrity, do what's right, but before people, the Bible says, do not give appearance of evil. I'm careful who I'm, who I'm riding in a car with, even. I'm careful who I go in, into a place if there's nobody else around. I'm careful about what you think, about what people think. Not in terms of what I'm preaching. If you don't like the message I'm preaching, that's your problem. If you don't like the, what the Word of God says, I'm not going to water it down. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about integrity. And what the Scripture is saying that's important for an individual, but it's even more important for a church. So I just want to let you know that I that this is a church that's trustworthy. Why? Because when you give your finances to this church, you see stuff happening. 
Every week I walk in, it looks like I'm in a different place. They take the money and new things coming up, more events, bigger events, more outreaches. So you could see what's happening with the money. We, ha- we have a rule in the church that no one person can decide where the finances is going to go. If it's, for example, if, the, if, if more than $500 is going to be spent, we have a church council meeting. The leadership gets together. Why? Not because we don't trust anyone here, but we want accountability. We want to be, I want to walk in here. Pastor George wants to walk in here and look every one of you in the eye without, with, without embarrassment, without feeling like there's something going on behind closed doors. Believe me, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I've seen too much of that in my life. And I know many of you have also. All you got to do is turn on the TV. And as soon as it's a Christian show, they're manipulating you. They're using the scripture to try to get more money out of your pocket. And they'll never say, send your money to the church, send it to the poor. It's always, if you send us your money, you're going to be blessed. God's going to give you back a hundredfold return. So I just want to say on behalf of the church that I'm sorry that the church has given that kind of a witness to the world, that the church in that area has become a laughingstock. I I just want to repent to you on behalf of the body of Christ because it shouldn't be that way. And I want to let you know with all my heart that this is a reputable place that there's nothing hidden going on here. And that's a rare thing to say in my experience. I travel to many churches, and I see many secrets, many hidden people pulling themselves, oh, we got to get in a corner and start saying, how are we going to work this out, that out? I, I just thank God for the transparency and the leadership in this church And in fact, those of you in the church council, I just want you to stand. I want everyone to see men and women of integrity right now. Men and women like Titus who are trustworthy. Every one of these are people of good reputation. People that I would trust my own life with. Amen. So I'm going to ask, Richie's going to come up and help me now read these scriptures, but I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 12. It's called the parable of the miners. Good afternoon. I need to say something, if I may. My mom always taught me to give 10% of the gross, and sometimes what we get paid is gross. Um, that, that was three minutes ago, but anyway. The 
the Jewish church or the synagogue gives more than 20%. The Muslim church requires you to give 20%, whether you attend or not. And our churches are usually battling with the state to keep schools open for them to have services. And I think it's incumbent upon us if we believe in the word, if we have faith in our leadership, then we should be faithful to God's word. And this is not something that Pastor George or Pastor Gary asked me to say, but this is something that I felt I needed to share with you. I'm going to be reading Luke um, chapter 19, starting with verse 11. And while they were listening to these things, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to be, was going to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a certain noble man went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We don't We do not want this man to reign over us. And it came about that when he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him in order that he might know what business as they had done. And the first appeared, saying, Master, your minna has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. Be in authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Your mina, master, has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. And he said to him, and another came, saying, Master, behold, your mina, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you do not sow. He said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put the money in the bank and have come? I would have collected it with interest. And he said to the bystanders, 
Take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Master, he has ten minas already. I tell you that to everyone who, has, who, shall, who shall more be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine, who did not want to be, who, do, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here, and slay them in my presence. Amen. So he just told what's called a parable. A parable is sort of a fiction story that Jesus told in order to show us a truth. And in the parable, the, the master came of the servants, and he gave each of them a certain amount of money. Back then they called it minas or minas or whatever it was. A, a, a mina was about... Three months' pay, so in, in today's terms, it's maybe eight to $10,000. And he gave each one of them about $8,000 and then went on his way and said, one day I'll be back. And that's a picture of us. God has given us, every one of us, a certain amount of finances. He's, he's entrusted us with spiritual gifts. Some of us he's entrusted with children, a marriage, a business, wh whatever it is that God has entrusted with you. And then Jesus, he went off to go to heaven, and he said, one day I'm going to return, and every one of you is going to have to give an account to me of what you did with everything that I gave you. See, the money that you have, it, this is telling us, doesn't belong to you. You and your money all belong to God. Everything that you are, everything that you have belongs to Him because He bought you at a price. And so he, when He came back, He spoke to the servants. And the first servant said, I took the money that you gave me, and I made ten times more. The second one said, I took the money you gave me, and I made five times more than what I had. The third guy said, well, at least I didn't lose it. I took the money, I put it in a handkerchief, and I buried it so that I wouldn't lose it. And you know what that last guy is a picture of? The last guy who took the, the, the money and hid it somewhere and never used it. It's a picture of people who go to church but never step out in their gifts. Never do anything what God's placed in them. But the other two symbolize those Christians who take the giftings, who take the finances, who take the business, who take the job, the family, whatever it is, and begin to step out, begin to take a risk. Because how can you make ten times more money than what you started with? If, if, if I give you a thousand dollars, 
In order for you to turn it into 10000 you're going to have to risk it somehow. You, if you deposit it in the bank, you'll co- I'll come back 20 years later and you'll give me like 500 more. Instead, they made it go 10 times more. Yet there's only one way to do that. You've got to take a risk. And what is that telling me as a Christian? What God has placed in me, all the gifting, the love, the finances, it's not for me to try to hold on to. It's to begin to obey God and step out and use the gifts. I'm going to take my money. I'm going to sow it into the kingdom. You see, sometimes I get a bad reputation around the church. You know what people tell me? That I've heard not not to do anything with you because then you're going to ask me to do things I don't want to do. How did I get that reputation, Bert? They say, if you hang around with that guy, he's going to make you sing. He'll, he'll tell you to preach, dance when you don't want to. He might even ask you to pray in the microphone. Hey, what a tragedy. <laughs> Can I tell you right now why I do it? Because with everything in me as a pastor, the greatest pleasure, the greatest joy I get is to see you begin to step out in what God's given you and not sit on it. I look at some of you and I see the gifting to to speak, to pray, to dance, to sing, to go out in the streets, whatever it is. And it's not okay to say, no, I just want to be comfortable. Don't ask me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a demonstration of the opposite right now. I'm going to ask for um, Amber and Lee are going to come up. They're two of the youth. I, I called Pastor Lou, and I said, I want two people that have never sung publicly before on their own. And they're going to give you a demonstration because they're going to, for this is their first time coming together and singing because then they're two young people who said, I'm not just going to sit on what God's given me. I'm not going to bury it. Do it just like I taught you.
You see, whether they came up and sang or not, they have a passion in them to use their gifting to step out. And do you know that there are some times when you step out in your gifts and you can become overwhelmed? There was a guy in the Bible named John Mark. He's the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus was dying on the cross, there was something that rose up in him. He said, I got to be there. And there's a story in the book of Mark that most people believe is speaking actually about Mark, that when he came, the soldiers confronted him. They tried to get him, and he, he pulled off his robe, and he ran away naked. You know what happened to him? He had the heart, the desire. But when the time came, he was overwhelmed. Then the next time they mention him in the book of Acts, he goes on a mission trip with Paul and Barnabas. And all of a sudden, things get tough. See, he went out with them. He took a risk. He stepped out into the calling of God. And do you know what happened when things get tough? He turned around, he ran away, and he left poor Paul and Barnabas all on their own to face the enemy. But then it mentions later on later on in a letter that Paul wrote, you know what he said? He wrote a letter and he said, Send me John Mark. Because he is profitable. He is beneficial to my ministry. In other words, John Mark, he stepped out. He took a risk. He failed. He took another risk. He failed. But at the end, God took all his desire, his gifting. He multiplied it back to him. And at the end, Paul said, he's beneficial. He's profitable. I just want to, and Pastor George has done this before, I want to give you permission to fail, permission to mess up. You don't have to be perfect. I, I would honor the two youth that came up because of the passion they have to worship the Lord. It's not about the performance. It's not all about what you're doing. I remember the first time that I preached. I thought I did so good, and someone came and asked me, why do you keep saying the same thing over and over and over again? And here I was thinking I did it good. But do you know it pleased the heart of God, just the fact that I got up here and began to open my mouth, just like, just like Amber and Lee, it pleases God. God is so proud of them today just for the fact that they were willing to step out and take a risk. And one day they're going to stand before God and God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If, do you want God to say that about you? Then I want to ask you, what, what do you got in your hand, the things that God's given you, just to give it back to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What does it say? That the little that you have to give, you, you give it to God and he's going to multiply it. It's going to overflow. It's going to come back to you in abundance so that you can even begin to pour out more. There's a precious gift in every one of you. N- not just for here in church, but I, I believe God wants us to go out and invade the culture, invade the entertainment industry, communications, media, education, finances, business. We, we want to invade it with the kingdom of heaven. We, we want to give God the, the reward for his suffering, which is souls. There's so many people that need Jesus, and they're waiting for us. They're waiting for a church that's been happy and content to do just to show up in church and leave and show up in church. That was never God's heart, never his plan. His plan has always been to take the little. And you know what they did in the book of Acts, what it said? That little bit that the church gave, you know how God used it? It says in the book of Acts, you know what was said about those men and women? That they turned the world upside down. Just a few, a, a band of a few people took the gifting, the finances, and they changed the world. They turned it upside down. And every one of you is a world changer in this place. But you've got to be willing to break free, to step out. So I'm going to ask the drama team is going to come. While they're coming, you know what happened? Pastor George today was wandering in the back, and there was, I was talking to a man in the back, and he, t- he looked very sad. I said, why do you look so sad? He said, because my wife told me that she wouldn't speak to me for three months. I said, so why do you look so sad? He said, because today's the last day. I had to make up for the other joke. Okay, so. Keep the aisles clear. Beautiful. 
I don't know that song. You see, that was an illustration that God is breaking off of you. Everything of fear, everything that holds you back, everything that keeps you from stepping into your destiny, because God has a plan for every one of you, and it's way beyond what you're imagining. It's greater. You have the greatness of God living in you, and there's nothing that you can't do, but God's got to stretch you. You've got to get up. You've got to take a step. You've got to go out. You've got to risk it. If God's calling you to go back to school and you messed up your whole life in school, you go back there and you're going to be the best student there is because God, God honors faith. God honors that commitment. And I'm going to ask Pastor George to come right now because we've been speaking about the, the things about this church what we can do, the possibilities. So I ask them just to come up and begin to dream, begin to speak forth, not, not just what he sees happening tomorrow, but Pastor George in the future, what be even beyond your imagination, beyond your own ability. Anybody excited? All right. Listen, let, let, me, let me tell you real, real quick first, Lee, when I first got up to get up on a stage to preach a message, oh man, it was my first Sunday, Sunday message before like a whole church, and I had prepared for about three weeks, I had about 16 pages of notes, I had three different Bibles with me to read from, and, and I thought I had uh, the title that had never been used before. And I got up and I said, my title today is Let Go and Let God. And I thought, like, I didn't know that people had been preaching that for 111 years before me. I thought I made that up. And, and I went through my 16 pages of notes and I gave an altar call and prayed for people and everything. And it took all of 11 minutes. So, so Amen. Amen. But here we are, right? So amen. We're pressing on. So Gary, Gary asked me to share the big vision. And we don't, we don't do this a lot because we, what, what we care about is us, is you, is, is the people, the kingdom of God, right? We're not always talking about the church and this and that, what we want to do. But the Word says if we, where there's no vision, the people perish, right? So, so we need to kind of talk big vision every once in a while. So here's what I would like to see. If I was dreaming, this is what I would, I, I want. This is what I want to see the Sanctuary Fellowship be about. A sanctuary where there's true community. Say amen. A, a sanctuary where people really care about each other. I mean, a Book of Acts church where, if, if, where someone in, in, in the morning and in the greeting, they find out that someone doesn't have something and they have three of those things at home, then they, they, they connect and that week they go and they give them the one of the three that they have so that they can have what they have. You know, that's a Book of Acts church. 
You, you know, we, we, have, we have 16 irons at home and find out somebody don't have an iron, and not because they're wrinkled or something, but we just find out that they need something. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so we say, you know what? I have two of those. I have an extra one of those. I have three of those that I got from my wedding back, you know, 16 years ago. They're in a box in a closet. I'm saving it for when we move to the new house or whatever, you know, the excuses that we save stuff for. But a, a book of Acts church says, man, if somebody here needs and I already have one, I'm going to give the other one that I have to that person. That's community, man. That's, that's real church. A, a church of sacrificial generosity where people grow and love and put other people first. Amen? Listen, I don't want to be a big church or a popular church. If, if we're recognized, then really we fail. Then we failed. I don't want to. I don't want to die and 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 like everything here dies with me. I don't want people to come here because of me. I don't want people to come here because of of something that we. And then I, you, you understand what I'm saying? I want those those young people that we're bringing up. I want them years after I'm dead and buried. Should God tarry, that they're up here doing the same things that we taught them how to do in kids in ministry day, and they're leading worship, and they're worship pastors now, and they're music pastors and, and, and senior pastors. Amen? Wouldn't it be awesome to have a church that's real, that really loves God, that really loves people? That's what we want. That's the big vision for this church. Now, building-wise, here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to take this sanctuary and knock out my office, knock out every office, knock out all the walls, knock out all the classrooms, and just fill it with seating. So your co-workers can come and your family can come and your cousin's cousins and your UPS guy and your mail lady and, 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 and your FedEx guy and everybody. So you can bring everybody you know and bring them to a sanctuary where they can experience real love, real community, real presence of God. Amen? So, so, so that's what we want to do. We want to take all the classrooms because we need them, right? We got to do children's church and we got to do all the other things that we do. Take all the classrooms and put them on the other side of this wall and build out that other side. I'm talking, I want to build it. This we built with, with chewing gum and duct tape because that was the budget that we had, right? And thank God that it's held up. It, it, looks, it, look, it looks pretty good, right? I'm going to show you pictures one day of what this looked like when we got here. Oh, my Lord. It was crazy. So... But I want to do that other side, I mean, like, done, done incredibly so that we can pass a state inspection so that it can be a registered child care facility. Let's do a nursery over there all day so there's a daycare over there all day. So, so there's classrooms that we can use during the day so that we can have a community center for the community to use during the day so that we can staff people, right? Let's, listen, we, we, we started a high school when we were like 30 deep. And we ran a high school for five years. Let's do it again. Let's do it big and let's do it right. Amen? Let's do it on that side. Let's, let's put a second floor on this building. We got air rights for two and three. Let's put a second floor and build, build a school up there. Let's do whatever it needs to. If we can go up four or five floors, let's do veteran housing. Let's do whatever it is that this community needs. That's big vision. And then once we got that going, once we got the school and the nursery and the daycare and most of this team is all, uh, is all fully employed by the church because we're all working here full time, amen? 
I, I long to, to have meetings in the morning with my staff and come together and pray and worship and have coffee and plan the day and plan the week. Right now we're all off at different jobs and we're emailing and texting at work and we're, you know, we're, we're going crazy. I long to have that time. Once we get all that done, then let's duplicate it. TSF Queens, TSF Brooklyn, TSF New York City, Manhattan, amen? Then why stop there? TSF South Beach. Anybody ready to plan that one? They need Jesus too, TSF Maui, right? They need Jesus up in Hawaii. No, but you, you know what I'm saying. Let's do it, let's do it right, and then let's duplicate it. It's not about building, like, the mega church that everybody... No, who cares? We're going to build God's kingdom and build it here and build it here and build it here. And we're all doing all different people, different personalities, different... It's no name brand stuff. Amen? It's just God kingdom stuff. Real sanctuaries where the hurting can heal, where the lost can find something, where the seeking can experience God, where the hungry can be fed. Amen? Now, now listen, this makes for great talk and powerful speeches. And I feel like a politician right now, and I hate that. The, the, the truth of the matter is, we, we're not qualified to do this. We, there is no possible way that, that I can do this. Even the dream team that God is building here, there's no possible. Let me let you in on a little secret. I'm not a professional church planner. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be surprised, you know. Not like we know. <laughs> but none of us are professional. We, I don't even know how we got this far. I don't know how we left my living room. I thought that would be our church. And it'd be great and it'd be powerful and we'd have good days where more attendance and where, where like there'd be extra people standing in the hallways and be like, yeah, praise God. You know, there's 30 people up in this church. Not 300. I don't know how we got to this. I don't know how we got to the little building, to the big building, to the second floor building, to the warehouse, and now talking about let's buy this whole building and go up a couple floors. So it's impossible stuff. It's stuff that we cannot do. Sometimes I, I sit up at night and I don't sleep and I wonder how can this happen? Like where do we go next? Like I, I, I'm scared for the next holiday where we're not going to fit no people in here. I'm scared, like, how do we see another Easter? What are we going to do? Turn people away? What do, we do? do we go to two services? Oh, my friends keep telling me we got to do two services. I said, I don't want two services. And me and my wife and my team, we agree. We don't want to do two services because two services would be this. They'd be the 10 o'clock, let's say, service, church. And then they'd be maybe the 12 or the 1 o'clock church. And then it'd be so possible for this congregation to never know this congregation. And how can we be one church if we don't even, we could run each other in the street and won't even know each other? Unless they're like we all rock TSF logos or something crazy like that, right? So, no, I want us to be one church. If, if, as big as we can get, let's keep it as big as we can get, but keep it one church, amen? Because that's, that's the heart, that's the big vision for, for this place. So, uh, church, I don't know how it's going to happen. I left... For, for those of you that don't know, I, we, we were, I had gone full-time ministry for about six or seven years, and, and God sustained us, and it's been amazing. We didn't have to go to the hospital. We didn't have health insurance for seven years. We didn't have to go to the hospital once. And then the time came, God built this team, and it was great, and, and God opened the opportunity for me to step in and go back to my corporate job, because I don't want to be a burden to this church, right? But I, I, I have to live too, Amen. 
I have rent and mortgage and bills and insurance and college and, and crazy things to pay. And so I said, you know what, I have to go back to, to, to corporate for a little while. That's not my heart. That's not my dream. But I know that God provided and God opened the place for me to be allowed to do that so that I can take care of all the needs and I can take care of the church as well. So that I can sow into this vision. So that I can sow money into this. Besides sowing of my time. Besides sowing of, of my family and all of that stuff. Amen? So, I mean, that, that, that's what I want. That's big vision. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're about. I pray that you guys can get behind it and we can do something incredible. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Hallelujah. I asked Pastor George to stay up here. And I'm, I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. Because there's only one way that this vision is possible. <coughs> because Pastor George Jesus. can't do it by himself. It's going to take every one yeah, of you saying, yeah. God, if you stretch me, I'm going to move. If you call me, I'm going to step. I'm not going to lay on my gifts, my finances, on my abilities, but I'm going to use them for you. I'm not going to live in my comfort zone, but as the song says, I'm going to give myself away. I'm giving myself to God. God, it, it, that's why I was so impressed today with Amber and Lee. I, it doesn't matter whether they could sing or not. They have the very heart of God in them to be willing to get up out of their seats and step up here even terrified. I, I just wish the same heart in every one of you that they have. It's not about performance. It's not about how you look to people. We are not people pleasers in this church. I don't care what, what anyone thinks. I'm going after God with everything I have. I'm believing in this vision. So here's what I'm asking you right now. Because with all my heart, I want to see that vision come to pass. I believe in it. I believe this neighborhood can be transformed. I, I, I believe that family after family can be brought back together, healed. That lives can be changed. That businesses will be built. That schools, nurseries. And I'm going to ask you something right now. I'm going to ask Pastor George if you could come stand right down here. And if you're saying right now, if you're saying, Pastor George, I believe in your vision. And whatever I got to do, whatever I got to step out, whatever I got to pour myself out, I'm with you as long as God has me in this church. If that's you, I don't care if you got to move every seat. I'm going to ask you to come down and stand with Pastor George right now. If you're saying, Pastor, you can count on me. I'm with you. I'm giving myself away. I belong to God. Pastor George, you're not alone. 
testimony saying, dear God, use me. Use me, dear God, as it pleases you. Move in me, dear God, as it pleases you. Lord, I ask, dear God, that as I give myself away to you, you use me as your vessel, dear Lord. You use me to transform. You use me, dear Lord, to bring dreams into reality. You use me, dear Lord, to bring forth the vision that you have put in this house, dear Lord. Lord, you use me. You use me to be an instrument in your hands, dear Lord. Lord, as I stand here, dear Lord, I proclaim that I am willingly giving myself to you, to use as you see fit, to use for your honor and glory, to use to lift your name, to use to bring restoration, to use to bring healing, dear Lord. I stand here, dear Lord, willing, willing to be used for you, dear God, surrendering all, giving all, dear God, giving all, Lord, and saying, use me, God, use me, Lord, use me today. Hallelujah. Father God, I ask you to open the windows of heaven, my God, and pour out the spirit of your vision right now, my God. Pour it out, my God, like only you can, my God. I ask you, my God, that they will walk in their calling, my God. I call forth their calling, my God. I call forth their ministry, my God, in this vision, my God. I call forth the dancers, my God. I call forth the prophets, my God. I call forth the intercessors, my God. I call forth the nurses, my God. I call forth the ministry workers, my God. I call forth the the preschool workers that we need right now, my God. I call them forth. My God, stir them up in their bellies, my God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Give them dreams and vision. Pour out your spirit, my God, and let them see these visions in your dream, my God. I call forth, my God, the the, the singers, my God. I call forth, my God, the mothers, my God that couldn't mother the children that don't have any mothers, my God. I call forth the fathers, my God, that could be a father to the fatherless, my God. I call forth, my God, the preachers, my God, and the evangelists, my God, and the rappers, my God. I call forth the vision of Pastor George in this church right now in the name of Jesus, my God. Pour out your spirit, my God. Bring it forth, my God. Bring it forth from their bellies, my God. Right now, my God, I'm calling for those preschool teachers, my God. You know who they are, my God. And I call them forth, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. See, we're not going to go through the motions anymore. If we're terrified, if we're overwhelmed, even like Pastor George said,